I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here with Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. And uh, she is in San Antonio, te Texas. And I happen to be in Sofia, Bulgaria, of all places. So uh, Weinberg live kind of from Bulgaria. How about that as a, uh, as a little side note. And the other day, uh, I f was I in Israel when we spoke last or was I in Egypt? I was in Egypt, I believe. Egypt you were, yes. Yeah. You were in Cairo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I covered 11 countries on this trip, 12 countries actually, but 11 new ones. And, uh, and, and I'll just say this, the, the border situation is uh is something that you know like i've seen a lot of i crossed all these different borders and it's uh it'll give you an idea of uh of uh, of how people treated here and how we may treat it there we have obviously we have a much larger border on the northern side and the southern side but um, the anger and the the hatred that sometimes come comes along with allowing people to come into our country who are um, you know listen quite frankly I think if they were if they all looked like us or if they all looked Ukrainian or, or whatever there wouldn't be as much an uproar it's when darker people come in that they uh, you know that they have a real uproar and, and I think you see the brunt of it over there yes oh yes Yes, uh, I've been used to seeing darker people all my life. Uh, that is Mexicans, that is Indians, really, uh, people who are mixed usually with the, some uh, some Asian and uh, not Asian, some European and uh, and with the uh, Native Americans, uh, and uh, they are a shade darker <laughs> than than we are. And always black-haired and uh, and brown-eyed. Uh, so and the the uh, facial con configuration, usually the face is a little rounder uh, than the uh, European. So uh, there's a distinct difference. Uh, and as a child, uh, I was always puzzled why there was so much hatred uh, of these people because I envied them. They could speak two languages. And they could make fun of us, uh, us Anglo's, <laughs> behind not not behind our backs, but to our faces. And I knew they were doing it because, of course, they were taking revenge for being discriminated against and maltreated. And I didn't blame them. And I determined right then I was going to learn that language, uh, which I did. <laughs> and I became a professor of Spanish and French. Uh, language and literature as a result. Uh, so um, uh, it made a big difference in my life, but a positive one. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, uh, amazing. Uh, I look at I look at the world, uh, I think, in a similar way that you do. And uh, when I knew uh, actually anybody uh, that was from a foreign country and they uh, and they spoke a different language, I always thought they had an advantage. Um, yeah, you know it's they. There's this whole other population that they could um, that they could uh, uh, communicate with, and I I I was never I never quite understand why everybody was so upset about uh, Mexicans coming in, especially since right uh, a, a lot of the the folks that are obviously they're mostly right very right wing and, and Christian, 
um, you know, Mexicans are Christian. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they're Catholic, and they're, uh, for the most part, they're, it, many it, many of the people are very family oriented. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, it, you know, it's it, it's it's a big difference, um, and, and it's it's pure prejudice, quite frankly, when uh, when when you see people that angry about it uh, because they're really not taking the jobs from white people. It, it's just not happening. No. Uh, no, on the contrary, they're doing the jobs that we don't want. Right. Uh, yeah, they come here and they're willing to do those jobs for us. Uh, and, and now they're not being done because <laughs> because we are trying to keep them out. Um, but anyway, more about that later. That's, uh, that's what I want to talk about yeah. today, about the situation at the border and, uh, uh, and the attitude uh, of our of our uh, governor uh, to the whole thing. Uh, that's part of part of what I'm going to talk about today. But anyway, um, what I'm going to do is to start with a poem that was written by a young lady named Addison M. Wade, obviously an Anglo person, right? Um, who is a ninth grader at the Northeast School for the Arts here in San Antonio, and she is the high school winner of uh, Picture This Annual Youth Initiative Contest. And they had several uh, offerings in today's paper, but I thought this was the best, and I guess the judges thought so too, but I'm going to read it. It's short, uh, and I, I think it has a good lesson for everybody to pay attention to. And the title of her poem is, I Am the Future of This Country. Mm. I am American democracy. Don't leave just yet. I know what you're thinking. How can she represent the American people? People see me and assume the worst. She's a thug, a murderer. She must, must vape and do drugs. Her people made this make this world worse. Her people. Last time I checked, I thought that we were just people. People with hopes and ambitions. People with million-dollar companies. People with high, highly coveted awards. People in the White House. People declaring laws unconstitutional. But no, I'm a menace, a drug dealer, a school shooter a rioter, a disgrace to the Founding Fathers. My mother always says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. So when someone says that, all lives, when someone says that all lives matter, not just black, I smile and shake my head because I know something that they don't. I am the future of this country. I am American democracy, and that's something you can't take away from me. Wow. Wow. Isn't that something oh for a God. ninth grader? It's just uh, amazing. Uh, my God. And, um, well, it's almost, it, you, know, you can get a little emotional <laughs> listening to that. That is, uh, that is wonderful. That's right, and she she really hits the nail on the head about prejudice yeah. and about suspicion and hatred of other people and automatically feeling the worst about them. 
and not considering the fact that they're just like you. <laughs> they're, they're people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what amazes me uh, is, is the, you know, keep in mind what what I just mentioned before about uh, being, uh, you know, part of the Judeo-Christian uh, heritage. Um, right. And they, um, they meaning uh, folks from Mexico and uh, Central America and South America, uh, Latinos um, mm. are are coming here, and within two generations. By the by, the time uh, their culture mixes with our culture, uh, you're not going to be able to tell uh, a, uh, a you know somebody that's from you know south of the border from uh, from somebody that's been here for for a hundred years, you know from somebody that uh, had had Italian uh, immigrants come over in in 1920 or or early or Spanish immigrants coming uh, you know coming over at one point. Um, I'll be honest with you. It's uh, it's it's so ridiculous, and and she's right. It is the future. And one quick point I want to make, and I don't want to uh, you know knock you off track, but one one point is that that many of the same people that are prejudiced against the the Mexicans and that want to build the wall, build the wall, and all this you know horrible bigoted nonsense, uh, they're also anti-Muslim. And yes. here's, and again, I wish I had the statistics in front of me, but the average white couple, the average white couple procreates 1.2 children uh, per couple, per white couple. The, the Muslims, all right, the, uh, the Muslims in general, I think, are 5.1 per Muslim couple. Mm. So uh, nobody's got a you know, worry about terrorism. Nobody has to worry about, um, you know, flying into, you know, the uh, the World Trade Center and thing, Freedom Tower or the Empire State, but State Building. They don't have to worry about that. The Muslims know, and I'm sure that they, they preach, um, what's going on in, in, I think it's Dearborn, Michigan. Dearborn, Michigan is, uh, is a community outside of Detroit, and uh, Muslim people moved into it and took over the, and when I say took over, they, they democratically voted in a mayor and, and the whole city council and every public official because they have the dominant vote. And they, they have a dominant vote because they have more votes than everyone. So if they just wait and, and you just look at those statistics and, and white couples have 1.2 uh, children per couple, um, the, the Muslims who have 5.1 I think it's no. 40, 40 or 50 years. If you just left it alone, there, Muslims at, at procreating at this rate, uh, they'll have the majority. Do you know? Yes. Okay. Now, here's, here's the kicker, and this is the point that, that you know, goes to the theme of your show today. The, the Muslims do not assimilate, right? They don't, you know, or much, much less of them assimilate. They're going to keep their culture, and it's not Judeo-Christian. And it has nothing to do with with the beliefs of many of those bigots that are yelling, build a wall, build a wall, and, and all this nonsense. But do you know what the saving grace is? Is the Mexicans coming over. They procreate at, at a rate of 5.8. And again, I wish I had the statistics in front of me. 5.8 children. And they do assimilate. And they are Catholics. 
their their right to livers. Actually, many of them, many of the the uh, people coming over are, are pro life. You know, and I only say I'm not right, but uh, the reason I I point that out is uh, so many of these people in Texas that are are screaming about them coming over uh, are are pro lifers. So the thing is, it, the only way that we could keep up with uh, with the Muslim population in America is by inviting the Latinos in to keep up with them. I, I don't know. What do you think about that that thought? I mean, it sounds yeah. Yes, I have had, I have been preaching this same thing for many years. Uh, there was uh, a member of the uh, literary critique group to which I belong who was very, very anti-Muslim, and I said, "Well, uh, you're. Uh, what about the Hispanics?" I said, uh, "Open the gates for them because right. they are exactly what you said. They." They are Christian. They are in the Judeo-Christian tradition. They are Catholic. They are pro-life, which you are too. Uh, they have all the values. Pro-family. I mean, they uh, they are upright citizens, and they do all the dirty work here. Uh, the the jobs nobody else wants. So uh, open the gates, and they will take care of this Muslim problem you're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Yes. So, uh, you know, I've been thinking on these lines exactly as you have. <laughs> Amazing. But, of course, he uh, didn't change his mind. He was he was still violent about the uh, the Muslims coming in. Uh, and, and, of course, he was also anti-Mexican. Uh, he was a typical Texan uh, in that regard. Mm. So... Speaking of the border and of Mexicans coming in, that's that's my topic for today. Uh, and of course, uh, we have had a president uh, for for two years, uh, who the very first rattle out of the box when he came down that golden stair in Trump Tower to announce that he was going to run for president. The first thing he did was to say how. The Mexicans coming in were all robbers and thieves and drug dealers. And, uh, and just as this young lady with her poem uh, said about herself, the people looked at her and they were thinking those things. Uh, and uh, he was going to build a wall. And this wall was going to take care of the problem of illegal immigration. We, we have 2,000 miles of uh, frontier, of uh, border, with Mexico. And he was going to put up a 2,000-mile-long uh, barrier, and that was going to keep them out. But the Chinese Great Wall was uh, much more formidable than the one that even uh, uh, former President uh, Trump had was thinking of. And it didn't keep anybody out. Right. And a, a wall then, uh, that was a medieval idea, uh, and it still is. The wall that is going up right to this, right at this moment, even though uh, President Biden would rather have it torn down. But private private people are still funding the wall to uh, to continue being built between us and uh, and Mexico. 
30 feet made out, uh, 30 feet tall, made out of steel bollards. Each bollard must cost, I don't know how much, but it's billions and billions of dollars going into a medieval idea that can be uh, surmounted, <laughs> uh, un tunneled under. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to avoid uh, that wall. The only thing that it is achieving is killing um, wildlife who can no longer get to water. Wow. In the more deserty parts of our country in uh, Texas and New Mexico uh, and parts of Western California and so on. Uh, because uh, li uh, little animals like uh, rats and mice can get through, but uh, but wolves and pumas and and other animals, I think even as large as raccoons, can't get through there, and so they just they just die of uh, uh, of no water. Right. Yeah, and I think that in itself is a crime, a terrible crime against our environment, actually. So terrible. Uh, right from the beginning, it struck me that that would be the main result of putting this wall up. It certainly wouldn't stop anybody who really wanted to get into the country. So, um, the walls do not uh, work. Um, and why, Why you ask, why does, uh, does a person walk thousands of miles, uh, walk, that is, on foot? through all kinds of dangers, uh, being uh, robbed, being beaten, being raped if you're a woman, That's and right. maybe sometimes even like if yeah. you're a man, um, and uh, being starved and uh, being uh, dumped in the middle of the desert by the coyote, so-called, the so-called guides that bring you, uh, uh, bring you up from wherever... Uh, Nicaragua, uh, Venezuela, uh, Cuba, and Haiti, mainly these days, yeah. and not Mexico anymore. Uh, and uh, so they take your money, and then they abandon you in the middle of the desert. Um, and one of my acquaintances and, and friends uh, in Toastmasters uh, has a ranch on the border, and he has found... More than one, in fact, he says it's uh, it's almost commonplace to find dead bodies oh dying of having died of starvation, not starvation, but of thirst uh, down there in the summertime. So uh, anyway, they come. And why do they come? They come because of unrest in their countries, in those countries I mentioned. Uh, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, Cuba and Haiti. Um, the governments are corrupt. The police also are corrupt. Um, they have uh, miserable salaries. They can't raise a family, and they are family-oriented. Uh, and uh, or else the weather, uh, hurricanes are going through now because of global warming, which we are also not paying proper attention to. Um, and so they lose their uh, their crops 
uh, and they can't continue to. Uh, uh, maybe there'll be uh, their cropland is underwater for a long period of time, so they've lost their livelihood and they're desperate. And why would anybody walk thousands of miles? Unless they were desperate, it's not that they simply want to come up here and uh, annoy people, uh, Anglo's in the north. It is that they are desperate, and many of them are in danger of their lives as well because of the gangs down there. And why are there gangs? Because the governments are not working, the police are corrupt, and so on and so forth. It is a continual problem that seems to be simply getting worse. And it can't be fixed at the border with a wall. And uh, our governor doesn't seem to realize <laughs> that that is the case because he is still pro-wall and uh, is doing other things that have no effect on the, on the thousands of people who are coming up here. The only way to fix it is by paying attention to it by legislation in Washington, D.C., and uh, paying uh, attention to the real causes. And one, uh, one authority uh, who wrote a recent editorial uh, suggests that we have a lend-lease program, as we did after World War II. Uh, we, uh, we helped Germany get back on its feet and to uh, create a democracy over there rather than a dictatorship. Uh, whereas uh, whether, the, uh, whether the leader of the country, the so-called president, uh, uh, is uh, uh, on the left or on the right, they usually turn into dictators. Uh, in the uh, 1970s, for instance, in Nicaragua, the people were suppressed by a right-wing dictator named Anastasio Somoza. Uh, you, that name may still be familiar yeah, to you. Yeah, for sure. And now they are under a left-wing dictator by the name of Daniel Ortega. And the results are the same. The people are being oppressed, underpaid. Uh, the, the streets are lawless. They're in danger. They can't... Uh, uh, they, they're not raising, not uh, uh, being paid enough money to uh, to uh, sustain themselves and their families. Uh, it's the same darn thing, and so they are coming here because here is a country where there is still hope, and uh, even um, even with all the uh, the problems that we have, they are driven to come here because there is still hope and not dread and crime. Um, and, and we can't stop them because people live in hope and for hope and for a future which they cannot have in the countries that I have repeatedly mentioned now. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? Or what is there to do about it? So Americans uh, have to uh, get involved in creating jobs in those countries. 
somehow we have to, um, if we had a, a land lease program, we would actually have to get involved, uh, more involved with those countries the way we did with Germany after World War II. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that can be done, and I guess that's one of the problems that uh, Biden is trying to deal with at the moment. Um, but that would be the solution if there were decent jobs, uh, if the people were not being robbed um, and uh, uh, intimidated in fear con continually uh, from uh, gangs and other criminals. Um, and uh, also the uh, economies are all in ruin. I think if we, uh, uh, if we did a Lend-Lease uh, program uh, so that the economies could uh, function normally, uh, the inflation down there, if you think inflation is bad here, it's 500% in, in those countries. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I can't even imagine what that would do. Um, to to my uh, income, if suddenly there was 500 percent um, inflation, I obviously couldn't live. I'd have to sell my house or or uh, allow it to go uh, go uh, go to ruin because I couldn't maintain it. Uh, so um, the second thing we need is uh, is of course legislation that. Uh, uh, the GOP dur during both Obama uh, administrations and uh, during that administration, I should say, uh, the GOP refused to consider um, uh, legislation uh, to fix our broken immigration system. And, uh, of course, Donald Trump uh, was not about to fix anything. He was simply going to keep people out uh, and uh, title... <laughs> Uh, Title 42, I think, is the number, um, is is the uh, one where you simply throw the people out um, on the pretext that they're bringing in uh, COVID. This was invented, this idea was invented during the worst of the COVID, uh, and it's still in effect. Uh, and Biden tried to do away with it um, and without having much of anything to... Uh, to solve the problems of the thousands of people coming, uh, but the courts stopped the, the uh, right-wing courts uh, stopped him from uh, from getting rid of uh, Title 42, and so we still have it at the moment, and and we are actually using it uh, because of the onslaught of millions of people. Uh, so, um, uh, so, but anyway, we need. We need legislation, and actually something has been proposed, which I'll get around to in a minute. Um, but uh, it would uh, the bill should deal with the problem of the dreamers, and those are the kids who are brought in by their parents. Uh, and, of course, families are coming, mother, father, and, and children, and sometimes the children are coming uh, by themselves. Uh, because the parents are uh, unable uh, by, through health problems or other problems. They can't come, but they can send their children, which I think is a horrific idea. But these these little children grow up here. They come to our schools, and they become productive citizens. 
and yet they are still illegal. Uh, so uh, we have a whole lot of them here in Texas, of these dreamers. Uh, and they are illegal and subject to to uh, deportment, deporting. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, we need to do something because they're productive citizens. They're paying taxes, uh, and they are uh, uh, they're joining our uh, our communities in in a positive way. They're positive influence uh, in this country. So we need to take care of them as uh, as the good citizens they are. Uh, and we need to uh, uh, to stabilize, as well as I said before, stabilize the corrupt governments down there. And I'm not sure how that's done. Um, that would be a problem that, uh, that I couldn't confront. I couldn't conceive of how to do that, but it's needed. Um, and uh, so therefore, fixing this problem of the... Uh, of the millions of people that are coming um, can't be done at the border. And so Biden, Biden has, and I'm afraid uh, Kamala Harris also, she was the one to whom was uh, delegated the problem of dealing with the border uh, with Mexico. And as far as I know, nothing, nothing was done at all. And so I'm disappointed in that. Uh, in both of them, because uh, although uh, Kamala uh, uh, visited our border uh, in uh, in 2021, that was a single visit. She didn't come back, and I don't think anything uh, came from it. And Biden came last Sunday. Uh, that little visit. That single visit, two two years uh, into his presidency, uh, uh, illustrates the fact that he did not have that in mind at all, <laughs> uh, or very very little, um, during his two years so far, because nothing was being said about it, and nothing really serious was being done, uh, and the. That little visit it made it something of a stir in this country. Um, how how was it noticed in New York City? Was it even mentioned in the news? I, I've been out. I've been out of the country, so. I uh, oh yeah, you've been out for more than a week, haven't you? Yeah, but I haven't heard. Yeah. This is the first time hearing of it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a week ago. Um, this coming Sunday, so yeah, so you were gone, and it seems years ago because more uh, different kinds of news, for instance, finding um, classified documents uh, in the possession in uh, uh, in Biden's possession, <laughs> um, he had uh, had them since he was a vice president. He had them stored in. Uh, garage, I think, in one case, and in the closet in another. Um, very few. I think there are about 13 of them, but uh, but that gives the Republicans the opportunity to uh, to say, well, I mean, all the presidents do the same thing, so, uh, uh, so Trump is off the hook. Um, of course, there is a difference in how Biden treated this problem and how Trump did, and the scale of the problem, but uh, 
but they're making hay out of it anyway. Anyhow, so that kind of news has uh, uh, has obliterated the attention that, that was being paid to this little visit to the border. Now, Abbott, Governor Abbott, was waiting to greet Biden on the tar- tarmac wow. when he came. Uh, however, <laughs> when the two men shook hands, it looked as though uh, one of them was serving a subpoena to the other. It was about that. <laughs> it was about that cordial. <laughs> yeah. wow. uh, Abbott handed him a letter immediately, uh, and the first sentence was the, the kindest uh, of all. And I'm quoting it. It says, uh, "Your visit today." to our southern border with Mexico is $20 billion too little and two years too late, unquote. And that was the kindest thing in the letter. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, anyway, um, actually, uh, Abbott has a point, but he, of course, hasn't done any any good uh, at the border either. Uh, because what is he doing there? Uh, he is um, he has posted the National Guard uh, at a price of uh, $4 billion to maintain them. And what are they doing? Nothing. <laughs> They're standing there looking out at the, uh, at the river, uh, and they have nothing to do. They can't arrest anybody. They can, uh, they can lead people to the authorities, the border authorities, and that's about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of money so, for very little result. Yes, and of course the uh, the men who are doing that duty uh, are uh, away from their jobs, they're away from their homes, their wives, their children, uh, and some, a couple of them at least, uh, if not more, are committing or have committed suicide and others are contemplating it. Uh, because they have nothing positive to contribute down there. Amazing. So, Absolutely yeah. Amazing. Uh, so, um, so anyway, uh, what Biden is recommending um, is something uh, he rec- he uh, came out with this before he uh, he came to the border. Um. He is recommending uh, a human, humanitarian treatment of these people, uh, and they uh, they need to be treated kindly. And uh, thirty thousand of them, thirty thousand of them, is to are, are to be uh, accepted. Uh, it's a sort of parole um, situation, uh, and. These are people uh, are specified. They're people from Nicaragua, Cuba, Haiti, and Venezuela. And so there are to be 30,000 a month uh, accepted in this program. And um, they have to come in legally, uh, register um, with the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice, and uh, it expands, actually expands the use of uh, Title 42 uh, for the moment. 
so that they can be summarily deported uh, without trial or any other, without registration or attempt to registrate without interview or anything uh, on the grounds that they're bringing in COVID or some other disease. And if they do not register, um, then they are expelled and not, and they can't apply to come in again. So, so uh, it sounds like a very a narrow gate. Uh, straight is the gate, as it says in the Bible, that these people would be going through. And uh, I think thirty thousand a month is way, way too few, because I think it's more like. Uh, 30,000 a week uh, are coming to the border right now. So uh, the uh, it's a solution that isn't a solution. Uh, so uh, there's another title. It's not Title 42. It's Title 8. Um, that if, if they don't in their interview, if they don't prove to the satisfaction of the interviewer, that they are in fear of persecution or torture in their homeland, uh, then uh, and they, if their story isn't credible. If they claim uh, to fear persecution and torture, if it isn't credible, then they are, uh, ex- there's an expedited removal program for such people. And I'm sure, I mean, there's a language problem there also. And so people uh, might not be able to, an education problem too. Uh, people are not educated enough to express themselves eloquently and uh, convince people uh, that they are in, in true, genuine fear of persecution and torture uh, and that their situation is indeed desperate, which it would be uh, because they're at the border uh, in the first place. Uh, then they can be summarily uh, thrown out of the country. Uh, so it's uh, it also it's a, a variation of Trump Trumpist policies, really. So um, uh, we haven't solved the problem. The problem, the the basic problem, which is to do something about the countries that are forcing them out. Uh, has not even been touched by such a problem as this. Uh, so um, <laughs> Abbott closes his letter. I think this is quote, quotable also. Um, it's a sarcastic uh, uh, sentence with, which says, quote, when you finish the photo ops in a carefully stage-managed version of El Paso, you have a job to do, but of course the the pop is calling the kettle black in that case because because uh, the uh, uh, for instance last April I don't know whether you remember this but there was an enhanced quote enhanced truck inspection and that was a photo op that showed trucks lined up for miles at the border while uh, the border officials were forced to go through the trucks more than they normally do uh, just to show that Abbott is guarding our border. And the other thing is, of course, the National Guard and the expense of that. Um, that it, it, 
these, these guardsmen who simply have nothing to do at the border. Uh, and uh, they rushed to Uvalde when, uh, after, when that shooting took place in May. Uh, there were uh, dozens of them that came because they had nothing else to do. And then they stood around and did nothing in Uvalde as well. Uh, I think it might have been one of those border men who finally went and killed the uh, the shooter. Um, so uh, that one individual did did some good, but the rest of them were just there because it was something they could do. Um, and uh, so Abbott is just as guilty of doing nothing and, uh, other than photo ops um, as Biden is. So. Here we are. We have the problem. Hundreds of thousands of people coming daily from places that are impossible to continue living in and what to do about it. We need to change the governments, change the police, get rid of the gangs, stop the drugs. Um, of course, you can't stop the drugs as long as Americans eagerly consume them. Um, but there it is, an intractable problem, which has been handily ignored by everybody, except for the people who are suffering there. Yes. And they have no choice. They have no choice. They have no place to go, except the only thing they do have is hope. <laughs> what you were saying about the assimilation and... Uh, uh, well, I'll just use assimilation of uh, these people who are coming to the border. The uh, Castro uh, twins, Joaquin and uh, Julian, Julian uh, and uh, his brother, uh, are a good example. Their mother uh, was a cleaning lady, but she had the right values, and she sent those boys to school. And they uh, they were diligent. They uh, they studied, and now they're in government. They're in te Texas government and our and our federal government, and they're doing a lot of good. They're they are the uh, the epitome of what uh, the Hispanic population does in, in two two generations, or even one generation, because the mother I think the mother uh, immigrated. I'm not positive. Well, I think she uh, was fresh, freshly uh, over here illegally uh, from Mexico, and uh, and she raised those two boys, and she sure raised them right. So she's one of our local heroes, and uh, and this is what we can expect from these people coming in who are, as we have already said, Christian, uh, Catholic, pro-life pro-family, uh, and uh, have all Christian values and live by them. Amazing. You know, I, yeah. the Castro brothers are are, uh, are are such a success story, and kudos to the mom for what she's done, and she's a superstar in certain circles. She deserves to be. But, yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. There is... Um, uh, this is this is a, and, and you started it out by talking about the poem and uh, and the young girl writing this. If 
if I've ever seen anybody nail it on the head so beautifully and perfect, right. I, I never would think that it would be coming from a ninth grader. I know. She is a, she's remarkable. I think she is destined for great things. No doubt. Because she, she has a, a wonderful head on her shoulders. Wise beyond her years. And yeah. uh, what, a, what, what a wonderful situation. Where is she from? I know you said it, but I uh, just as a uh, she's yeah she's uh, from here. She's a San Antonian, so she's uh, amazing. One of those that we can be very proud of. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we we need, you know, what we need to do is we need to talk more about this. I mean, not just you and I, but other shows. And I know there's people that have other shows that are listening to us. Um, if they spend a little time. Uh, talking positively about our our Latin American neighbors who uh, want to be our our partners. They want to be our brothers and sisters in this country. Um, those folks that are coming over will assim assimilate and they, they want to be here desperately and they need to be here desperately and they're killing right. themselves uh, inadvertently by, yeah. by uh, wanting that so badly. Uh, it's it's very difficult for me to not appreciate the uh, the love they have for for freedom, and I imagine that will transfer over. That will transfer yes. over to to being uh, what what we know and what we like to think of as uh, as patriotic. Um, I, I just think they're a perfect they're a perfect um, addition to our fabric here and. Um, and the folks well, we need we're uh, our employers are weeping and <laughs> moaning because they don't have enough workers, <laughs> yeah. and here they are. They're they're ready and willing to do all that, and uh, and we're trying to keep them out. So <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Well, Doc, just uh, wonderful material as always, and uh, it's just what what a what a thought. And once again, this young we should say this young lady's name again. Do you have it? Uh, is it Wade? Her last I name? do. Her name is Addison, and it's spelled with a Y. It's A-D-D-I-S-Y-N-M Wade. I don't know what M stands for, but Wade, W-A-D-E, which is a good Anglo name. Uh, so she she may be half, uh, half Mexican and half uh, her dad may be an Anglo, but I don't know. Yeah. But in yeah. any case, uh, she she has certainly grown up beautifully uh, to the age of an eighth grader uh, and is producing wonderful things. Yeah, I said ninth grader before. I stand corrected. Eighth grader. That's thirteen and fourteen years old. Eighth grade. What a what what a uh, what a wonderful poem she wrote, and uh, just absolutely great. Uh, Doc, thank you very much. Uh, any any last thought? Ah, well, I'm just speaking f from my childhood ideas, and that is: be tolerant, be open, and think of your fellow person, even if he or she doesn't look like you, and may have an accent. Consider them as people and your equal. And be kind 
and uh, and give them, uh, if you're in a position to do so, give them the opportunity to serve the country as they want to do. And I think you'll make this country a greater one, a still greater one in doing so. Yeah, no doubt about it. Doc, well put, and to, to all of you, please uh, take heed to these words, and uh, she is the future. That young lady is the future, as uh, so many uh, different people are. Uh, we've got to think about our future and think about it in, in uh, a much more tolerant way. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>